Lord, we just thank you so much for the gospel, for the good news. Thank you, Lord, that we live in a parallel universe, another reality called the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Lord, that we are in you and you are in us, that you moved us from this place to another place, a place you prepared for us that we might be where you are. Thank you, Lord, that in this place, in you, there is no condemnation. In your kingdom, there is only light and life and peace. And we stand in this grace with the peace of God and the glory of God because of what you did and not because of anything we did. Great is the mystery of our godliness. For you did it and you revealed it and we simply believed it. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for the the little things. All the things you do for us all during the day even during the night. For you give your beloved sleep and you teach even in the night. Thank you, Lord. Your gentleness has made us great. Your gentleness has made us great. Thank you, Lord. Help us now, Lord, see you and hear you. Amen. I heard a uh, preacher uh, on television this morning. Uh, he said, um, "He said in order to have a successful life, a, a, a lasting successful life, he said you need to have a relationship with the Word of God, with this." Word of God, he said. And it struck me as I was getting ready to come this morning um, how he said that. In order to have a successful life, you need to have a relationship with the Word of God. And I thought, that's really not true. You can't have a relationship with a book. Jesus said this. Jesus said, you search the Scriptures... And you think that in these scriptures, there's life. But these scriptures speak of me. And you won't come to me that you might have life. Jesus clearly made a distinction, a distinction between the scriptures and himself. Jesus said, God is a spirit. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, he said, God is a spirit. God is not a book. And I think so many times what we hear in the body of Christ from TV and radio, it's really more of trying to get you plugged into a book as opposed to him. So just with that thought, let's look at the scriptures this morning. Always remember, saints, that the scripture says that they are a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. Which means, it implies, the scriptures are taking us somewhere to someone. And they are not an end in themselves. And it's easy to have a relationship with a book because the book can't talk back. It's easy to to put the book on the shelf when you don't want to talk to the book. 
It's easy to control the book. But as they said, as C.S. Lewis said in the Chronicles of Narnia, talking about Aslan. What was that quote was so cool in the movie where he's talking about Aslan, who was a picture of the Christ. And they said, he's a, oh, that was so cool. What was that line about the lion? He said, oh, he cannot be tamed. He cannot be tamed. I love that. See, it's so cool. God is God. And he's a person. And he wants us to relate to him. And this book is awesome. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand. I love the scriptures. I read the scriptures. I breathe the scriptures. I, you know me. So I'm not saying, but these scriptures lead me to him. And they're not an end in themselves. Jesus said, you search the scriptures and you think in these scriptures you have life. But they speak of me and you won't come to me that you might have life. Awesome. I want to look at the uh, uh, scripture this morning that I think will encourage us. It's really cool. Let's see. You know the Bible can be an idol? It can. The Bible can be an idol. You can actually make the Bible itself an idol. That's what the Pharisees did. They made the scriptures an idol and they missed God. And they condemned the innocent, Jesus said. They made the scriptures an idol. They worshiped the scriptures but not the God of the scriptures. Just like, just like the temple. They thought the temple was, oh, the, the disciples told Jesus, look at the temple, oh, the temple, in this awesome Lord, look at the temple, the temple. And, and Jesus said, not one stone shall be left upon another, but destroy this temple, in three days I'll raise it up again. In other words, it's all about Him. Temples and scriptures and even the creation itself all speak of Him. And if we stop short of those signposts and camp around the signpost, we won't have life. The sign says, keep going. It's a light into our path, a lamp into our feet to Him. Search for me, seek for me, and you shall surely find me. See? That's another thing that's so cool about the New Covenant. There's not a single place in the entire New Covenant, New Covenant writings, not a single place where the apostles exhort us to seek the Lord. Isn't that cool? In the Old Covenant, oh, seek the Lord, seek Him, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. But there was a prophecy in the Old Covenant that said, the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to His temple. Prophesying of the coming of the Christ. And now, the apostles never teach, never. There's not a single, single word in all the writings of the apostles telling the believer to seek the Lord. Rather, it is, no, the Lord is in you. Know you not that the Lord is in you, that you are the temple of the Holy Presence, that he has come, that he's there, that he's in you, that you are in him and he's in you. You know, it's like the reality of union was the emphasis of the apostles. Say not who shall ascend to the heavens and bring him down or who shall go to the depths and bring him up again, for he is here among us. Isn't that cool? Let's look at this in Matthew, if you would. You know, I forgot to bring my... Re- no, I did, I did bring them. I thought I forgot my reading glasses. I was going to borrow somebody's reading glasses. <laughs> I 
Let's go, if you would, let's look at, um, actually, I want to go to, yeah, let's go Matthew 12, please. I want, I want to thank Ken for uh, leading the class last couple of Sundays and heard great reports. Really appreciate my brother. Awesome. We're looking forward to maybe one day the church asks us to come and preach on the weekend that Ken and I go together and we'll start some fires somewhere. <laughs> okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 12. That's something I would love to do is like do little conferences at churches around it, like a Friday, Saturday thing. Come back here on Sunday, but like maybe a Thursday, Friday, Saturday at other churches and help them see things, you know, and then just like every year go back there and just set fires. That would be so cool. The good, the good kind of fire. <laughs> Matthew chapter 12. Verse 1. I love this. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on a Sabbath. These are the Pharisees. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry, he and his companions, how he entered the house of God? And they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priest alone. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion, or the translation could be mercy, I desire mercy or compassion. And not a sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In another passage, this same, this same verse, the Lord says in another, in the Gospel of Luke, he says, he says, go and learn what this means. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. I believe it's the only time I try to remember and scan my memory banks, and but I think it's the only time in all of Scripture where Jesus says, go to the Scripture, this particular Scripture, and learn what this means. I think it's the only time He said that. He said many times, learn the parable of the fig tree, learn this, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, learn of this, learn of that. But I think it's the only time where He said, Go and learn what this scripture means. It's so cool. And again, we're not studying scripture for scripture's sake, but to know him. And what's so cool about this, this is in Hosea 6, 6. Hosea 6, verse 6. And it says in Hosea 6, 6, I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. The next line says, the knowledge of God and not a burnt offering. So what he's saying there, the Lord is saying there, this is so cool because this is the one scripture that I, if I, 
unless I'm missing one, but I think this is the only scripture where Jesus said, go to this scripture and learn what this means. And it's very important because he said, if you knew what this means, if you knew what this scripture meant, you would not condemn the innocent. If you knew what this meant, you would not condemn those whom my father is not condemning. Pretty powerful. So, well, I believe what he's saying here, saints, is that the Lord is saying here, the Pharisees, and he said it in the context of the Pharisees, the Pharisees are quoting scripture and they're condemning his disciples for eating the grain as they're walking through the field on a Sabbath. And Jesus points them back to the scripture and says, but you haven't, haven't seen some things that are in the scripture. And what he showed them was that David, when his men were hungry, they went inside the house of God or the temple and they ate bread that was unlawful for them to eat, breaking the law by going, that's only for the priest. He ate and he gave it to his companions to eat. The key in these scriptures, that these truths that are hidden in the scripture about the Christ is that they went inside the temple to get the bread. The next verse, the next example, he says, and, he's, and I also, have you not read that in the law, the priest break the Sabbath, the, break the law every Sabbath. They break the law every Sabbath. Why? Because they're working in the temple. He said, have you not read in the law how the priest break the law every Sabbath in the temple? Both situations, both examples are something happening inside the temple. Then Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, someone greater than the temple is here. I love that. The temple was walking through the grains, through the field of grain, like a sting song. I love that song. Field of gold. The temple, the real temple was walking with them through the fields of gold and they ate the grain and they were blameless. Truly, truly, someone greater than this temple is among us. See? But what he was trying to point out to the Pharisee is the problem with, with the Pharisee is they didn't know the heart of God. And that's why he said, go and study and learn this scripture I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. The knowledge of God and not a burnt offering. Hosea 6, 6 and 7. So the knowledge of God is a reference to the first part of that verse, I desire mercy. Just like a sacrifice is a reference to a burnt offering in the second verse. So he's explaining what he means there. What the Lord is saying is that the Lord's heart and that's why he says at the end, he goes, for the, for the Lord, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. See, the Pharisees were, they looked at it as if, you know, man was made for the Sabbath. That, that, that the law is, is, the, is, is the all-encompassing thing. And the Lord says, no, 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 the Sabbath was made for man. And in the same way, he wants us to see his heart. Because if we know the heart of God, we will not condemn those whom he is not condemning. It's awesome. So here he is saying, learn what this means. I desire mercy 
and not a sacrifice. So what is that saying? That's saying that God, see God's, our, I love what Clark is doing this, this series of, uh, you know, what God is like. You know, every Sunday, another aspect of, of seeing who God is. It's so true. If you get that wrong, everything is off. If we don't really know his heart and know who he is. So what this verse is saying, I believe, saints, is that God is saying that see me as one who wants to give to man. Not as one who wants to receive something from man. See, sacrifice speaks of man giving God something. Burnt offering speaks of man giving God something. But God says, no, I desire, I desire to give something to man. I desire to give mercy. I want you to know who I am. If you knew who I was, you would not have condemned my disciples for eating the grain in the field. And you, if you had known the scripture too, you would have seen that, you know, all these things you would have known who I was and because I'm here, it's all fine, you know. So what, he's, what this is saying is that the, the heart of God, he wants us to see that he, he wants to give to us. It's, it's not that we first loved him. He first loved us, the scripture says. And see, contrary to religious thinking, this does not lead to a selfish life of give me, give me, give me God or a sense of entitlement that, oh, because God's good, he's got to give me this, you know, give me, give me, give me. No, that's the mystery of, of, of his way. When you see him as he is, when we see him as he is, then a dynamic takes place inside of us because you are new in him that you begin to reflect and to be as he is. And so you become, as he is, also merciful. Which is exactly what Jesus said when he said, be merciful as my father is merciful. For my father causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, on the good and the evil. Therefore, be merciful as my father is merciful that you might be called the sons of God. See, I believe when Jesus said one time, he said, he said, I only do that which I see my father doing. I only do that which I see my father doing. I think I got a revelation this morning about that verse. I've never had this thought before. Brand new revelation this morning. That was cool. I've always kind of thought that verse meant there was some kind of mystical vision. You know, they had, he saw the father doing things. And so he would just follow in his steps and do things. And that's probably maybe some of that is true or the spirit leading him to do things. And some of that I'm sure is true. But I really think I got a revelation this morning that what God, what Jesus was talking about, he said, I only do that which I see my father doing. He would sit on the hills and watch the rain fall on the just and the unjust. He would see the sun rise on the house of the wicked and the house of the righteous. He saw his father in creation doing things. He saw his father clothe the lilies more than he did, more than Solomon. He saw his father feed the birds who didn't sow or reap. Isn't that awesome? 
I, I tell you, I think, that's, I think it's a revelation. I, I've never had that thought before, but it's like the Spirit just showed me. Like, it's like, son, this is what I meant by that. I watched my father, his creation. It, the scripture says that the invisible things of God are clearly seen and understood by the things which have been made. Romans chapter 1. We can see the invisible things of God and understand him by the things that have been created and how things work. And I think that's, I think that's what he was doing. I really do. And, and there's probably more to it than that, you know, as far as the Spirit leading him to do things. But I think he beheld, because look how much he brought out and he would talk about the Father through creation. Behold the lilies of the field, the birds of the air, the sun shines on the just and the unjust, the rain falls on the good and the evil, you know. The creation manifesting the, the heart of God, the mercy of God. You know, it's cool. I heard a brother say once, it's really cool. He, he said, and it's really true. The revelation of God in the scripture is hidden. And you can't really know him from this book unless you have a relationship with him. Isn't that cool? It's like a safeguard. It's like... If you really, if you try to have a relationship with the book, just the book, you will not understand these things and you will condemn those whom God is not condemning. But if you want him, the book opens up. Do you know the prophet said that the prophet said that I will hide myself in the scriptures a little here, a little there line upon line. I'll hide it all over the scripture. It's like a code. It's hidden from the wise and prudent, revealed to babes. Isn't that cool? The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven are revealed to the babes, the scripture says. Just hold that thought for a second. The mysteries of the kingdom are revealed to you, Jesus said. Isn't that cool? Many kings and prophets have desired to see the things that you see, and they did not see them. They desired to hear these things, and they did not hear them, Jesus said. But now they are revealed to us. He said, I'll open my mouth and I will speak parables and utter things that have been hidden since the foundation of the world. That means since creation, hidden in the creation itself. What a seed is really saying. What creation is really saying. All these things hidden since the foundation of the world. Revealed to us. Revealed to babes. Revealed to the, those who are humble and say, I don't know. I'm blind. Show me. He said, if you say you see, you're still blind. But if you say you're blind, then you shall see. This is so cool. It's an awesome thing. You know, God's showing us his heart. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. The knowledge of God and not a burnt offering. In other words, I want you to know me. I want you to know that I'm, I'm mercy. The heart of the Lord is mercy. That's what he said himself. When Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory that I might know thee. And the Lord said, I will have all my goodness pass before you. And then he declared who he was. And he said, I am the Lord, the Lord God, merciful. First word, merciful, gracious, full of loving kindness. That's his heart. The angels did not see this. For he did not save 
the angels, but the sons of Abraham. That's why angels long to look into what you know of him. The scripture says the angels long to look into what you have seen of God. Because he hid his heart from the angels that he could show it to his children. No, you're not. You shall judge angels. No man knows the Father but the Son. Jesus said that. And no man knows the Son but the Father. And the Father is only revealed by the Son. The Son, the Scripture says, the Gospel of John, that has come from the bosom of the Father, from the heart of the Father. The Son has come from the bosom of the Father, and He has declared Him. Hereby we perceive the love of God in that he gave himself for us. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is that God has pulled back, pulled back the veil of his heart. And the one scripture he says for us to go and learn, learn what this means. I desire mercy. And not a sacrifice. In other words, see, the sacrificial system was a system set up to communicate to man the mercy of God. They would bring a lamb. They would go to the temple. And they would receive mercy because the, under the structure of the law, it was to teach them another can take your judgment through death. And you can receive mercy from God. But just like man, we get wrapped up in the, in the ritual. Or we get focused on what we're doing. And so man's emphasis, the Pharisee's emphasis, natural man's emphasis is our part. Our part is we had to bring a lamb to the temple, a sacrifice, a burnt offering. And the Lord is saying, you missed the whole point. I'm, I'm not looking for a sacrifice. I don't need anything. He even said, who shall build me a house? Who can build me a house? The heavens are my home. The heavens are like a footstool. See, so man always misses it in the natural. We strain at gnats and swallow camels. We miss, always miss it. And so we're focusing on a sacrifice or a burnt offering, forgetting that this whole thing was a picture of mercy. I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. I'm not looking for anything from man. I'm looking for man to see who I am, that you might receive something from me. And that will change man. That changes us. For he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. And then you become, I become like him and call the sons of the Father merciful also. Because remember, saints, we talked about this in Acts, how the Lord said to Peter, no longer call unholy what I've cleansed. God wants us to see the whole world cleansed through the work of Christ. They need, they need only receive it. They need only receive it. The Lord wants us to see the whole world cleansed through Christ. His work is finished. He sat down. He's not to die often or die again. The sheet came down three times to teach Peter what God has cleansed. No longer call unholy. Go forth and tell the good news that they are forgiven, that their sins are forgiven. See, don't require sacrifice from them. Don't ask them to do anything for me. Tell them what I did for them. 
Learn what this means and you will not condemn those whom the Father is not condemning. Learn what this means and you will not condemn those whom the Father is not condemning. Caught in the very act of adultery, the law says she should be stoned. Go and learn what this means and you will not condemn those whom the Father is not condemning. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I love what Clark said the other day, how we get that backwards. We say, go and sin no more and you won't be condemned. The Lord says, no, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Because the power to walk in the Spirit comes from the revelation of mercy and grace. Because we have received mercy, we faint not. And we can, no matter how many mistakes, 70 times 7. You know what I do when I sin? I get that question all the time because, you know, of the first John 1, 9 teaching. When I sin, I remember. I don't have to, I don't have to name any sin and delve into the flesh and, and, you know, try to figure out why I sinned and all of that junk. No good thing dwells in my flesh. That's not the way out. I simply remember where sin abounds. Grace does much more abound. And I set my eyes back on the Christ. And I remember, I simply remember that in Him, sin is not even imputed. That's why people have a struggle with, for, they can be walking with God for 20, 30 years and still not be convinced that God really loves them. I'm convinced. It's this false teaching out there about indwelling sin, that the believer has indwelling sin and that sin needs to be worked out and they need to um, perfect themselves and it's a, it's a hazy relationship with God that they never really know He's accepted them and loving them. And it is so true. I've talked to people who walked with the Lord 20, 30 years, and they hear the message that sin is not imputed to them anymore, which is the gospel. That is the good news. And they go, my God, I really see He loves me. It breaks through. The cross is the wisdom of God and religious men and men who want to control other men, sometimes with good motives, but they want to control other men for the glory of God. They are blinding people to the reality of a one sacrifice that literally catapulted people out of this realm into the heavens with the, with the very righteousness of God himself. You have a fountain in you that is continually flowing. A perpetual fountain. I passed the fountain this morning coming to church at the apartment complex that's close to our house. I looked at that fountain as I drove by. And I wanted to look at that fountain and remember at this moment. Because there's a fountain in each, in each one of us and it never stops. In Him we never hunger. We never thirst. Jesus said, He who drinks of this water that I shall give them, that water shall become in Him a living fountain, a living stream, living rivers. Because why? Because of our performance? Because we're doing good? Because we're perfecting ourselves? Because we're getting more holy? We're getting more godly? No! Great is the mystery of our godliness. We boast in Christ and Christ alone. Paul says, I boast in nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Because that has brought me into union with God. Holy God. And it never changes. 
We have an anchor of the soul that goes beyond the veil. No matter what storm and how we have messed up in the flesh as we're learning to live by another within. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's awesome. So when I sin and blow it, I just remember. I remember. That's what the Lord said. Remember. Eat this bread. Drink this, this cup in remembrance of me. Not of our sins. Remember that your sins are forgiven. They're not, even, they're not even counted against you. For where there is no law, sin is not imputed. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. He has literally brought us out of this jurisdiction of the law on earth, out of this kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of the beloved Son, where there is no law. There's only life. There's only union with Him. There is no law. That's why Jesus said of the, of the, of the earth, people on the earth, He said, in your law it is written this, and in your law it is written this, because the law is not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous, the Scripture says. That they might, their mouths might be shut, and they might call upon Him. And receive the gift of righteousness. For they who seek to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness which, which is of God and have stumbled over the stumbling stone. But we have not stumbled over the stumbling stone. We're standing on that stone. We have been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. This parallel universe that you and I live in. I drive down the road and I... I, I, I it's becoming so real that I live in this other place where there's no condemnation, where there's union. He's not far away. He's in here. And his love is continually toward me, favor continually toward me because of Christ. A fountain continually flowing. And I'm seeing his mercy toward everyone. And then that makes me be merciful toward everyone. That I might be called the son of the Most High by, by men on earth who say, hmm, you're God, you're, your father must be God. Because, you, you know, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works of love and mercy that they may glorify your daddy in heaven. Isn't that cool? What a, what a way to live, you know. It's just rest. It's love. It's rest. It's mercy because that's who he is. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. Be merciful as he is merciful. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not a sacrifice for man. The knowledge of God. I want them to know who I am and not burnt offerings, not rituals, but me. Cool. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see your heart. Help us teach others help us release others from that sense that god doesn't love them because they're so sin conscious because of bad teaching because of wrong emphasis because of a lack of revelation help us teach others see the great mystery of their own death and their own resurrection in the christ for this is the work of god Know you not that you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in sight of God and nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.
Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.